0: Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, at verse 14. We're going to get there in just a second. This is uh, leading up to the last sermon of this series. Um, the last sermon is next week, and that is you. But uh, we've been talking about the, the salt and light of Jesus in this world. Matthew 5 says that uh, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the agent through which God wants to bring his grace and peace and truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ comes to this world through you. No one else, nothing else, but through you. You're the one, you're the one who God has chosen to use and to utilize. You're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. So Paul writes a couple of letters to a young church in the city called Corinth, and just to give you a little bit of background of the city of Corinth, Corinth is the ancient version of today's Las Vegas. A little bit of the same, a little bit of different, a little bit of the same in terms of just a wild, blow-off-some-steam kind of city, Um, a little bit different in that it was a throughway between economy, the economics of the east and the west of... Kind of that that whole Mediterranean area. You see, as ships went from the eastern side of the Mediterranean to the western side of the Mediterranean, they had this big landmass to go south of, which is Greece. And and in order to go south around the southern tip of Greece, a lot of storms, a lot of bad weather, and it was it was better for those boats to come into the the western side of this isthmus and unload their their, uh, cargo, um, go overland a few miles. Today, there's an actual canal that goes through there, so the ships can actually go through this canal. But back then, they'd have to unload a ship on the western side, carry all the cargo over to the eastern side, and load another ship so that it would go off to the east, and vice versa from the east to the west. So a lot of travel, uh, a lot of cargo, a lot of economy, going back and forth through the city, a very transient city, um, very carnal city, very, very pagan city. It was one of those places where you went to blow off some steam and to do it, and, and you know, hopefully it wouldn't ever rep- wreck your reputation. You could just kind of do it, you know, what stays in Corinth, or what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth that kind of a place, that kind of a town. Well, here in this city is a group of Christ followers. There's this church that's planted, and you talk about being a light in a dark place with all this stuff going around, all this carnality, all this this hedonism, just, you know, hey, if it feels good, do it kind of a place. If there ever was a place that the light of Jesus Christ would shine brightly, it would be there, especially within these Christ followers. And let's take a look at what Paul writes to this young church. Verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and this is out of the message version. Paul says this, he says, in the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade through us. Underline those words. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. That's you and me. You're the conduit. I'm the conduit. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent rising to God. It's not because you put on perfume. It's not because you put on a clean set of clothes today. It's Christ in you that's giving off this aroma and this is recognized by those on the way of salvation, an aroma redolent with life. So it's full, it's infused with life. But those on the way to destruction treat us more like a stench from a rotting corpse. Verse 16, this is a terrific responsibility. Is anyone competent to take it on? And then Paul answers like he often does. He answers his own rhetorical question. He says, no, no. But at least we don't take God's word, water it down, and then take it to the streets and to sell it cheap. We stand in Christ's presence when we speak. God looks us in the face. We get what we say straight from God and say it as honestly as we can. This is God speaking into us. Paul's image that he gives us is we are face to face with God. He's transferring this message to us, and we get to turn around and transfer that to those who we come in contact with. We've talked about this all throughout this series, that when God taps us on the shoulder and we respond, we say yes, and we move in the direction that he's calling us to, supernatural things take place supernatural things happen. It's all through scripture. You you go through, you read. Anytime the Lord taps somebody on the shoulder and says, hey, I have this task for you. I want you to move in this direction. The person says yes and then does it. Amazing supernatural things take place over and over and over again. That happened back in the Old Testament times, New Testament times, and it's happening today. Trust me. So every day we stand at this intersection, this point of contact, where darkness meets light, where this way of the world comes in contact with the way of Christ. And sadly, the enemy would have you believe that that you're broken, you're ill-equipped, you're uncertified. You're unqualified, you know, kind of asking for your credentials. And you're like, ah, oh, if, you know, if the enemy asks for my credentials, I, I, don't, I won't have them. No, you do. You see, that's a lie of the enemy, that you're unqualified, that you're incapable, that you're, you're ill-prepared to carry this out. By yourself, the answer is, yes, you're right, but through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you as a Christ follower, you have everything that you need in Christ, you have exactly what is needed in each situation, in each setting. Do you think God is surprised by what's going to happen this afternoon? Do you think God is kind of scratching his head going, oh my goodness, I didn't know it was going to happen Tuesday to Darren. Let me just check. Can we press pause here, take a time out, 30 second time out, let's huddle up the, the coaches back here and get some angels around and let's try to figure this thing out. You know in the same way have you ever thought about this that that when the enemy came into the world and, and Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden and sin entered the world God wasn't sitting there scratching his head going what am I going to do now In God's providence in God's forethought and in, in his dominion and he knew God knows exactly the setting and situation you're going to be in this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday, a week from Thursday when you are called to be the light of Christ in that setting and situation and God has equipped you already. He has equipped you already. And so this is the the intersection that we're at. There's crossroads, per se. If you say that, that we're at. where where, This isn't theory. This isn't just, okay, what if this happened? No, this is happening. You will be faced with the darkness of this world. You'll come in contact with it. You will come face-to-face with a crisis situation, a crisis setting. Now, hear me, this is not the, you know, the, you know, the, the little red dude with the, you know, the, the tail and the horns and the pitchfork going, ha, 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 ha. No, like, it, it's much more subtle than that. It's much more real life than that, but yet it's the enemy. It's darkness. And you and I come in contact with it every day. These are real life settings and situations. Talk about depression and sadness. Anyone come in contact with somebody who's been depressed or or going through a a deep, dark time in their life? I tell you, statistics are astronomical. In uh, uh, 2016, there was a, a, a study by the, the National Institute of Mental Health, and they estimated that 16.2 million American adults had at least one major depressive episode. I'm not talking, had a bad day, lost my keys, got a flat tire on the interstate, and you know uh, that kind of, no, one, at least one major, major depressive episode, 16.2 million, it's almost 7% of American adults. Back in 2016, had a major depressive episode. Feelings of hopelessness, helplessness, despair in our family we call it the swirling vortex of despair. You've you been there, where it just seems to, you know, be going downhill fast? This is the world we live in. Brokenness, darkness. Think of relationships that are severed, relationships that are broken, relationships that are strained or stressed. You think of divorce in our world. You might look at the statistics of divorce and say, well, hey, divorce statistics are down. Well, that's indicative of the fact that less people are actually getting married these days. But these relationships are still being severed and destroyed and marriages are still ending and infidelity and affairs are are through the roof nowadays. People are being lied to and stolen from, not just from people they don't know, but from people who are either relatives or close friends. People who have been robbed from, people who have been victimized. This is the darkness of our world. This is real life. It's not just theory. It's not just, well, what is it? No, this is happening all around us. People who are hurt physically, emotionally, people who carry around deep wounds and scars. I believe, as every one of us, can you imagine going through those things in the darkness of this world without Christ at the center of your life? Environment people are raised in. People who are in our circle or people who we allow into our circle who inflict wounds on our lives. This is the darkness that we live in. Anger, animosity... Outbursts; those are commonplace in our world nowadays. Outward expressions of frustration. People get to this point where they say, "Enough is enough," and they reach this boiling point, and they just explode all over each other. It's external situations where people and circumstances get to this point; and they just can't control their anger, and it manifests it stu- itself. And typically. Inflicts injury on other people around. When we get talking about bad decisions and bad choices, we talk about the guilt and the shame that go along with those. So many people in this world have crossed a line, whether it's physical or mental, emotional. Sexual abuse is rampant in our society. People who are perpetrating these crimes or people who are victimized. Bottom line, people who have done something or had something done to them that was inappropriate. The guilt and the shame that goes along with it. This is real life darkness in our world. So how do we, as Christ followers, step into that arena How do you step into a situation this afternoon? How do you step into a situation tomorrow morning? How do you step into a situation Thursday at lunch, a week from Saturday, two months from now, and add value to a situation like that? Well, I believe that we have two spiritual priorities that we can land on. There's two spiritual things that we can place a higher priority on that will make a difference, and the first one is this. I believe it's the closeness in our relationship to Christ. It's our proximity to Jesus Christ, allowing Him to fill us with His Holy Spirit. You know, a number of years ago, when we lived in Illinois, I had a four-month sabbatical and during those four months, I visited 16 different churches around the area. Some were urban uh, churches up in uh, in Chicagoland area. Others were rural. Some were suburban. Some were large. Some were small. The varying denominations, varying uh, history, varying uh, um, even theological uh, priorities that they had. And you know that every single church on the positive side, every single church I went to, I was I was blessed to find out that there were people there who loved Jesus and wanted to do it. They that what he would called them to do. On the other hand, I was saddened week after week, church after church, by those churches who were anemic and were failing to, to reach the objectives to which Christ had called them to. Here's the desire. Here's the heart of God. And yet, sadly, each and every church realizing that it was out there. It was something that they weren't embracing. It was something that they weren't even pursuing. Why is it that our North American Western church is so anemic? Why is it that Christians are not having an impact in our world? Why is it that the light of Christ is so dim here in North America? Think of the words of Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. He said this, he said, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. We used to read these words, and I used to think of some, some... other time and space. I used to think of uh, you know, something distant in the future where people, even Christ followers, had turned from Him and yet these words seem so real even in churches today. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful and proud, abusive and disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Sadly, 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 those words are so true for the Church of Jesus Christ today in North America. And I believe God is nudging us as a congregation to be different. God is nudging us as Christ followers to recapture what it means to follow Christ. To hear from Him and to say yes to Him and then to move in the way that He's called us to and see what He wants to do in us and through us. That is what God has for us. We're the light of the world. Why is it that a church is so dried up and ineffective and anemic? Why is it? It's because the proximity of its members to the, the love and grace and peace of Jesus Christ, the light of Christ is not there. And I have a sponge here. and A you know, sponge is a real useful tool, and yet so often it just sits there. And I picked this one up this morning out of my garage, and it was just dry as a bone. And you're sitting there just going, okay, well, yeah. It's a nice looking sponge. It's got some nice color and stuff, but it's not doing what it's intended to do. It's really useless. It's really good for nothing other than, you know, you maybe put your head on it and sleep. I don't know. But, but if this is us and, and this bucket is all that God has for us, and hear me, this is not the church. This is Christ. This is the love and grace. This is the light of Jesus Christ. I think a lot of us sometimes we just kind of go, okay, well, at least I'm, I'm close. I wonder if that's going to do any good. Or or for us, you know, we kind of get this, you know, I'm going to say y'all because y'all are like full-blooded Texan-Americans and this and that, and I'm kind of kidding, but you got a little bit of Canada in you because you're kind of like this sheepish kind of st- you know, standoffish kind of thing when it comes to, it's like, kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to dip my toe in a little bit and maybe kind of get a little little wet there. Yeah, I got some Jesus on me. Well, <laughs> like, quit being Canadian, will ya? <laughs> you? Want me to, you want me to show you what full-blooded American Texan Christ followers cross Roadians, do it's like come on give me some give me some let's go come on right like let's dive in let's get soaked up and you know what if we get kind of messy all over people with the light and love of Jesus Christ so be it (laughs) let's let's just do it like let's be unreserved let's let's like like David, you know, just tear off our clothes and dance before the Lord, all right? <laughs> you do with that what you want, and, you know, you hear, you hear from the Lord on that one, okay? But you know what I mean? Like, let's, I think we're, we're trying to be kind of, hey, you know, we're trying to be civil and kind of, you know, kind of fit in and just sort of, hey, I don't want to offend people. I don't want, you got, you got light, you got light, you got the love, you got, you got, there's a situation, there's an accident. I talked about this the very first week we were talking about the, the salt and light. Say, I told this story about this accident that happened over when I was 16 years old at my at my job at a at a filling at a gas station and I was a gas jockey and this accident happened the corner and I froze. I'm just like, oh my goodness, I I just froze. I, and it was my boss who comes running out of the uh, the gas station over to the cars, and he starts helping. And it was it was just a a reminder of how often there's there's these collisions, there's these storms, there's this darkness all around us, and we as Christians are sitting there frozen, and we don't know what to do. It's like. You have been called by God to spring into action and to add value, whatever the situation is. And you go, well, I'm not this. I don't know. You know what? In those given situations, you ask the Lord, he's going to fill you, and he's going to have exactly what you need for that situation. It's not you. God doesn't need you. He can do it all by himself. But he has chosen you, and he said, I will fill you, and I will give you the tools you need to accomplish what needs. He's going to give you the words to say. Or not say. How about the ministry of presence, right? How about, you know, sometimes, Darren, just shut up and be there. What? No, but I, I, have, I have words. You know, Darren, just, just be there. Just sit, just listen, just look, just love, just hug, just support, just encourage. That's what God has called us. I just want to stop here for a second. When you bow here, and close your eyes. And this, this isn't altar call time. This isn't, this is just introspection. This, I really believe the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So many of us have been to that point where it's where the message hasn't landed in our hearts. And it's theory to this point. It's just kind of, well, I need to just kind of, I get I need to be a Christian and I need to land at church and I need to attend church. No, hear me. You need to allow the light and love of Jesus Christ to fill your heart. And if that's your prayer, I just want you to just silently just speak that out to the Lord. Just say, Lord, fill me. Lord, I haven't I haven't got close to you. I haven't let you come close to me. I haven't let your love land in my heart. And would you come and would you do that right now, Lord? I don't know why. I I, I, I don't even need to go there, Lord. I, just starting at this point, I want this relationship to be more intimate and. Church, just ask him to do that. So I believe this this is square one. This is step one. This is the first part of being the salt and light of Christ is us being filled up, filled with his light and life. So Lord, would you come? Would you do that right now? Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We want intimacy with you. And your word says the world will know. The world will know when we are so filled with you and we sh- our love for one another just spills out of us and our love for those in our community, Lord. So make it so. Make it so right now, Lord. Pray we wouldn't be an anemic, lifeless, lightless church. An anemic, lifeless, lightless group of people. But Lord, come, fill us. Fill us, Lord, in Jesus' name second spiritual priority is, is, I'm just going to use the word discerning, discernment, assessment, learning and knowing and responding. We need to do better at this. We need to do better at assessing the environment around us. We need to do better, rather than freaking out and running for the hills. Oh no, that person said a swear word. You know? I tell you guys, Um, I used to play ice hockey in Illinois twice a week um, on a men's league. And boy, I tell you, those guys know how to swear. And they use words, I'm not like, but they use words (laughs) as adjectives, nouns, prepositions. Like I tell you, they are creative. And you know, most Christ followers would go, you know what, I don't want to be associated. But it was in that place where God had me. And you've heard the story. There was a time, it was a couple years after we'd been there, a 21-year-old had a heart attack and died right on the middle of the ice during a game. And God had put me in that place, in that crisis situation, in that collision, in that storm, and God worked in me and through me. God wants to do that. Now, if I would have, you know, said, no, you're saying unclean words, you're saying, and run in the opposite direction, I wouldn't have been there. But hear me folks, out of unclean hearts comes, or unsanctified hearts comes unsanctified language and actions. Do you get what I'm saying when I say that? For a person who doesn't know Christ, it's normal for them. You shouldn't expect sanctified language to come out of an unsanctified heart. So they're just doing and being what they know, and that's the darkness of this world that's in them. And yet, you are the one who brings the light and the life of Christ, not to change their vocabulary, but that Christ would come and change their heart. And once they have a sanctified heart, then their language is sanctified. Amen? For some of you, this might be the last uh, Sunday you're here at Crossroads, and it's been nice knowing you, but uh, this, is, this is where we're at. I'm sorry. We need to be discerning what is needed. Not, hear me, not compromising the message, but discerning, pulling from our resources and delivering help. If you're an EMT or, a, or like Franchot, if you're a, a firefighter and you show up on an accident scene, you need to know what is needed. You need to know, do I need a band-aid or do I need a backboard? Do I need a neck brace or do I need an arm brace? Do I need a tourniquet? Do I need it? You need to know what is needed. You know, your kid falls down the backyard, scrapes uh, his or her, uh, you know, you don't need a backboard, you know, uh, not backboard, a back, you know, thing to put them on. You know, you don't need the spine board, you don't need the, you know, they need, they need a hug, they need their boo-boos kissed, and a band-aid, and off to the races you go. We need to, as Christ followers, we, you will have the Spirit of God working in you and through you, be able to do this. First and foremost, proximity and closeness to the Lord, right? Having His Holy Spirit living in you and through you. And then it becomes second nature. You know what's needed. You know what's necessary. You come into a collision situation at work, and, and it's not like you say, hey, no big deal, I got this. No, you step in and you go, okay, Lord, what is it? Is it a word of encouragement I need? Is it, is it this that's needed? Uh, sometimes it's tough love. Sometimes you just simply have to say, you know what? That was a bad choice. Don't do that anymore. That's, that's speaking truth. You know, how many times do we do that? Instead, we want to be, oh, there, there, dear, you know. Oh, it, it, it's really hard. Life. No, you messed up. Deal with it. Move on. Don't do it again. We need to know and be able to speak truth, bring encouragement, bring friendship. This is where that ministry of presence comes in. Ultimately, we bring salvation with us. We bring the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. That is the hope of the world. That's what we bring. Take a look at verse, uh, uh, sorry, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, and we're going to wrap up with this pretty quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, Christ's love compels us, or in this version, it says in the New Living Translation, it says Christ's love controls us. Since we believe, and that word is a Greek word, krino, which is a judge's verdict, we have as judges decided. It's, it's there. And we we believe we've decided that Christ died for all. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone. Underline everyone, circle it, not just. Certain people, a certain place, certain time. Everyone. So that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. You see, we believe that, that, that Jesus is the hope of the world. We believe that, that through him, the church is the mechanism. It's the hope of the world. The Christ followers here in this building around the world, they're the hope of the world. Read on, verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. You see, we have these spiritual eyes. It goes on to say, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and the new has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. This is that aha moment. Just where we go, oh my goodness, I didn't know that. Ah, the light goes on. The revelation into the spiritual realm is there. We see things from his perspective, from the heavenly supernatural perspective, rather than from our human point of view. Uh, worship team, why don't you come and join me? We're going uh, to end. Verse 18 says, and God has given us this task. Once again, Matthew 5 Your task is to be the light and the salt of this earth. Here again, if you've ever questioned what your role and what your responsibility is in this life that you're living, here it is. You have been given this task of reconciling people to God. You're the one who goes over to a person and says, You know what? I have someone uh, that I want you to meet. And you're taking them and you're saying, Here's Jesus. That's what the ministry of reconciliation is, right? It says, at one time we were dead in our transgressions, from sin, uh, uh, transgressions and sin. We were once distant from God. To be reconciled with God is to bridge that gap and to bring those two sides back together. That's reconciling us to God. And we're called to do the same with the people who we meet. You are the agents through which God wants to work to reconcile that person. To basically say, here, I have somebody you want, yeah, I want you to meet. You need to meet Jesus. That's your job, your role, your task. So for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us, Crossroads, this wonderful message of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. If you don't know what ambassador is, it's an an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. So you know you're a resident, a citizen of heaven who has been sent on special mission here to this foreign country called earth, called time and space, called the world. This is our mission field. God is making his appeal through you, through me, through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who would never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. See, God's love compels us. God wants to work in you and through you to change this world for him. Let's all stand together, all right? I'm inviting our altar team to come up and let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we love you. And first and foremost, I pray that you would draw us closer and deeper into that relationship with you. Lord, we can't give away what we don't have. We can't shine the light of Jesus Christ unless unless the light of Jesus Christ is first and foremost shining within us. So come right now, Holy Spirit, fill us, fill us to overflowing. And this afternoon, this week, next week and beyond, Lord, pray your light would shine brightly, would shine brightly, that you would do a work here in our lives, here in our community, and that lives would be changed because we've simply said yes and moved in your direction. So, Lord, I pray blessing over our time next week. I pray it would be be just life-changing for those people who we bless, but also for us as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.